0: Hey, welcome to the Stephanie Stevens Show, where I help you discover the power of communication and the keys that unlock the doors to freedom in every area of your life. Oh, hey, my dear friend, I am so excited. Today is episode two with my good friend John Petruccio, an entrepreneur, business consultant. He is a leadership trainer. He's got more than 30 years of leadership experience in business and production management. He absolutely loves what he does. You're going to hear that in our conversations together. If, by the way, you have missed episode one with John, eight toxic behaviors that destroy leaders, you got to go back and listen to that, okay? But John is committed to a lifetime of personal mastery, both personally, but then also sharing with us ways that we can do that. So just imparting to us his wisdom and knowledge and allowing us then to engage this whole idea of self-mastery and turn around and teach others because that is what good leaders do. John also provides a comprehensive leadership development training program that fosters an environment of personal growth where really bold, ethical leaders emerge and are encouraged to step up with confidence and purpose and passion. And one of the important things to know about John is that his clients have experienced a ton of increase in revenue and in profit. During their time working with him, they've discovered how empowering and really how influential it is when they themselves step into leadership equipped with a connection to their higher wisdom, knowledge, intelligence. People with these skills are, as a byproduct, more patient, more compassionate, and have a better sense of well-being. So they clearly understand the importance of core values and how it impacts their organization. And by the way, if you show up as a leader like that, baby, you can get just about anybody to really buy in because they'll be able to trust you as long as you maintain your integrity and trustworthiness, then people will feel comfortable coming on a board, catching your mission and vision and joining you in it. And isn't that the point? So onward now, here we go with our second episode with John Petruccio. All right, John Petruccio, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time with us again today. We had so much fun last time talking about The eight toxic behaviors of a leader, and so much more. And by the way, dear friend, if you missed that episode, you have got to go back and catch up. It's a must. If you are in any way, shape, or form a leader, whether it's you're starting a company, you own a company, you are a parent, you are head of a household, you are part of an organization, (laughs) you are part of a neighborhood, whatever the case may be, in whatever way you influence and lead. You must go back and listen to the first episode conversation with John Petruccio. He is a success coach. He has a website which is currently being rebuilt, successparadigminc.com. So you can find him there. I will link his other information to the Facebook page as well. But John, picking up where we left off last time, you issued a bit of a challenge. Would you refresh myself and my friends uh, regarding that issue that you challenged and then let's do a debrief on how it went
1: well thank you for having me again there stephanie It's, it's a pleasure to be here and uh so where we left off was uh the eight behaviors that destroy leaderships right and three of them uh i see the most in the businesses i go to in society and it was the it was the three c's it was complaining, criticizing, and condemning. And the challenge is to abstain from complaining, criticizing, or condemning for 90 days. Mm-hmm. And that always gets the ire of people. And it's fun. It's fun for me to, uh, to give that exercise because it brings awareness of our surroundings and how we show up every day. So I'm curious, and uh, not having your audience uh, to talk with us is just to ask, how did you do with that exercise to abstain from complaining, criticizing, and condemning? And did you avoid it? Did you just not want to do it? There's no right or wrong with the exercise at all. But if you did try to abstain, what did you feel like? What did it feel like to be in a society that's complaining and criticizing all around us and all of a sudden I'm trying not to? And what did that feel like? Yeah. So that's that's the question to ask yourself. Yeah. And can I, I
0: answer that from my own course, perspective? Absolutely. Yes, So please. On the podcast, I often ask rhetorical questions that are designed to be thought-provoking. So we'll ask the question. We'll take a minute. We'll search our minds and we'll find the answer. I don't have to search far because I can tell you that... First of all, John, when you issued it for 90 days, I panicked because that's a long time. <laughs> so, and I thought, you know, boy, 90 minutes is a challenge sometimes, but 90 days, that's a—that's an even greater challenge. So since the last time we chatted, we are still in within that 90-day time frame. So there's still time and there's still hope. I'm just going to be honest. The most challenging of the three for me, I'm not really a complainer. I really love to practice gratitude. I love to be aware of gratitude. Me and my audience and our friends, we do a gratitude exercise every morning. I really encourage that. That really wasn't an issue. Condemning, not so much um, because I know, and we'll talk about this later, the gravity of judgment Mm -hmm. and what can happen when we sling judgment out there. So so I'm a little more mindful of that. So complaining, mm, pretty good there. Condemning, not as much an issue. The criticizing has me by the toes. It's the criticizing. And I want you to help unpack this in a few minutes. Criticizing when you are explaining a situation or an environment or somebody's behavior. I cannot find the line between criticizing and offering truthful feedback. Yes because I don't know where the line is. And criticizing is so embedded and ingrained on the inside of me. I'm just being honest. And it's paired with one of the S's and it's sarcasm. And I use those two together to add levity and humor to what's otherwise a crappy situation. It's just my way of making like sarcasm is my way of making light, making people laugh, making myself laugh, trying to lighten up a, a crappy situation. So I can't seem to extract those two, like the sarcasm from the criticism, and I'm struggling with criticism. And I'll bet if I asked my friends here, they would be challenged with something similar. So help us.
1: Great follow up. <laughs> so I'm glad you asked. So uh, usually I have, you know, groups of people and we have these two hour conversations sometimes just around three C's. So yeah. we have an hour here, right? So I'll do the, the short version. The challenge did exactly what it was supposed to do is to get you to ask those kind of questions and to discern the difference between being critical and criticizing someone.
0: Mm.
1: So let's use this as an example uh, to criticize. Usually, um, if I just use the gesture, we're pointing a finger at somebody. This is, you are being this, you are being that, and I don't like it. Yeah, That's a very critical being criticizing someone, especially when we're doing it in front of other people. Yeah. So... That just raises the bar of how bad that is to criticize someone, especially if you're like in a boardroom or something, you start criticizing somebody, right? You did something bad. So I believe with practice that we can express something that we disagree with without being critical.
0: Just so let me, let me jump in real quick there. My issue is not doing that in front of other people. It's in my explanations of a situation or behavior to somebody like you, if I'm telling you a story yeah. about something that's problematic in, in my organization or or in something I'm a part of, I don't know how to not criticize behaviors when I'm repeating or sharing or telling or reporting. What is the difference?
1: So, uh, uh, when, you, when you have that in your mind, so um, what I'm going to suggest here, right, it's part of the three R's is the resisting Right, <laughs> resistance yeah. is when we're critical of something or criticizing someone or something. We are resisting that.
0: I don't like so that. So
1: that's where this, the, the the three C's and the three hours t- are tied together. The like the three C's is because of the three R's. But when you were, when you want to share something with another person, and you're, you have to, we have to admit it. I'm resisting whatever I'm seeing. Right. Yes. I believe it's how we start the conversation. If we And especially if you start using swear words in that criticism, it just raises <laughs> that level, you know? Yeah. But if we're just in this calm place and saying to, you know, saying, John, I'm really struggling with this topic or this person. Mm-hmm. Help mm-hmm. me understand. I'll tell you what I see. So we're easing into something that um, we're embracing this resistance and there's no charge of resistance in there where there's no charge in it. And we're asking for help on how to navigate what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Where So that's one way. I mean, we're, we're, this is for us to learn how to not come across as being a criticizer. Yes. I don't like Joe because of this. I don't like Mary because of that. And all of a sudden, we're not liking anything. It's this awareness of where am I putting my energy right now? And does it matter?
0: yeah that's good You
1: know what I'm saying okay. that does yep. that takes some of the it takes some of the sharpness off of that that exercise, you know yeah. and uh, you mentioned was it condemning?
0: Sarcasm
1: Sarcasm that's that's the biggest pushback I get out of all out of all the challenges is um the self-righteousness that comes out. I can be a I can be sarcastic. But it's if you're using another person's name, especially in front of other people, the laughter that you get is at the the expense of their feelings. True. So, is there a way of being sarcastic without using people's names? Absolutely, there is. And to be funny, and uh, also, are there ways of getting a message across without having to appear funny? Why do we need to be?
0: Because we like to be funny.
1: We like to be funny. It breaks the it breaks the ice, right? <laughs> yes. So I think, in, in, as we navigate through that exercise in the in the sarcasm, it's at least start be conscious of what you're saying and make sure there's not a human being.
0: So let me offer an example. Yeah. So the, I think this is the beauty of memes, you know, and mm-hmm. the gifs on your keyboard. So if something is disastrous and you're not you're not utilizing names, but you send like a clown, a bunch of clowns and a circus emoji or yeah. or gif. Yeah. As an example of what you believe the situation is, does that fall under the category of sarcasm? Yeah. Because it's funny to me. I laugh. Yeah. Like it, it It lends levity yeah. to a really s- silly situation.
1: So, again, the exercise worked perfectly because it got <laughs> you thinking. You're being conscious of the, the being sarcastic. And this, I'm always going to be the coach and always suggest just not to do it. However, if you were, you, uh, so you have an audience, right? Of thousands of people, right? That Mm -hmm. if you start becoming uh, sarcastic, you can be guaranteed that a portion of your audience is going to be offended by it. Okay. So, so I work with a lot of businesses and, uh, associations, right? Entities doesn't have to be a business, but um, we have to be aware that if, especially in business where there's money involved, that uh, I'm doing a speech somewhere and I want to influence those people to come and buy my service. Why would I risk offending a portion of those people with sarcasm Mm -hmm. because i know that from experience just alone that people get offended that that out of 100 people in a room 15 or 20 people are going to be offended by something that i say okay so the other side of that coin now being a coach i mean i'm it's my job to get people thinking and and they're going to get offended no matter what right so my my method is when i start a program I always ask them, can I be outrageously bold with you today? Are you ready to go there and take yourself on today in this personal mastery program we're going to jump into? (laughs) And that sets them up for being okay with it.
0: The feedback.
1: The feedback and or um, they might get offended and be okay with that because it's really
0: good. Yes
1: hard to do that when you're when you're being sarcastic i mean uh it, it takes away the the laughter i guess if you say can i be sarcastic with you today
0: right <laughs> yeah.
1: would you yeah, would you that's laugh true. You? Yeah. Uh-huh. so i have a client who was a stand-up comedian and is still actually and her claim to fame is sarcasm and she gets right up there and she just rips into anything and everything and gets people some people to laugh some people to cry right but the problem with that she brings it into her business. Uh, And her business, I know, suffered, especially her partnerships in business, people that were closest to her. She was pushing them away because she was thinking that, okay, I can do that on a stage. I can do that anywhere, right? Can you see where the...
0: That makes perfect sense. So I'm okay to send something like that to somebody privately if if I know they get the joke. We share the joke. It's shared humor. It's a way of making light of an otherwise difficult, perhaps, situation. But when it comes to us really looking to provide influence, encouragement, motivation, guidance, teaching, training, whatever it is, I'm hearing you say we have to be really careful that we don't introduce our personal ways of dealing with things. Mine would be that specific kind of making light of or making something ridiculously, you know, outrageous and almost a caricature of itself (laughs) Um, because that will not translate to everybody in the audience. And we don't want to run the risk of coming across in a way that we don't intend. I don't want to come across in a way that's hard or harsh because that's not my intention. And if I offer something like sarcasm, it could come across in a way that I don't even mean to communicate.
1: Exactly. The reason why I um, sort of, hold my grounds and, and to not be sarcastic right is it's in there we know that it's in there we know we're going to get a, a response from somebody or a group of people and we may be very conscious of that and not do it but every once in a while it's going to slip out yeah <laughs> right can I, give, can I give you an example of of what sarcasm can do to a company please so i was working with this plumbing company and um they were they were almost out of business when I started working with them and uh, barely making it, you know, and the owner was extremely sarcastic. And I know that that was not working in his company. I could see it. And I gave ex- examples. I asked them all to ad- abstain from being sarcastic with each other, it's dangerous. And then they all said, oh, don't worry, Oh, we're okay with it. We're all good, we're all good buddies, right? Well, I had an um, in-office workshop with all of his staff. It was 10 workers plumbers and there was a guy there and it was obvious he was having a very very bad day his car broke down he was just not having fun and he didn't want to be there well they started making fun of him and he snapped at him and swore at him this is in a company meeting you know as you know the office people are there and the kid one kid was there and um and i just said to them all i said there's what sarcasm does Right there. That's the example. And that could happen to any one of you. Mm-hmm. And the problem they were having is they were being that way at their customers' houses. Ooh. Yeah. So what happened is a, a customer called the owner and said, there's something wrong with your employees. They're down there fighting. And what they were doing is they were being sarcastic with each other. The customer only heard, you know, you blah, 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 you, you know, ripping each other apart.
0: That's the getting lost in translation. Yeah. Yeah. And the energy behind sarcasm. It it can be intense.
1: So a group of people working in someone's house uh, uh, might be rolling off each other's backs like, you know, water off of a duck, right? But a customer doesn't know that. They're fooling around. Yeah. So that's why I'm bringing it up. It's not wrong. It's just be aware that how are you showing up? Yep. Good point.
0: Good point. So, okay. So we're we're knocking criticism right out of the field here. So would you just quickly also review for us, that's part of the three C's, complaining, yes. criticism, condemning. Yep. There are three R's that we reviewed quickly and two S's, one of which is sarcasm. We've talked about that. The other of which is swearing. Right. So would you go over just really quickly the three yep. R's and why I heard you say a few minutes ago that those three R's are the catalyst really to the three C's for leaders?
1: That, um, we're in that negative space complaining and criticizing condemning because deep inside, we don't understand what the three R's, which is resistance, resentment, and revenge. So pretty much anything we complain, criticize, or condemn is is resistance to whatever it is the subject is. We can resist the weather. There's nothing we can do about the weather. It's been weathering for billions of years, right? And all of a sudden we're here (laughs) for, you know, 80, 90, if we're lucky, right? And complain about the weather. So that goes to show something deep inside. Why am I, why are we resisting? Is it about me? And what I ask people to observe is whatever you resist persists, first of all. It will always be there. And secondly, almost often what we resist is a, a reflection of us, of myself. If I'm resisting someone, because of what, how they talk, what they wear or whatever, I, I, I may be resisting, I, it's a reflection of me. That was the, the hardest part of my personal mastery. <clears throat> when I realized I was in those three C's and R's that I was seeing myself, that, that hurt.
0: You know what's so curious about that, from a mm-hmm. human behavioral standpoint though, they yeah. say that, take the weather for example, people are always looking for rapport you know they're looking for an initial connection to somebody especially if they're meeting for the first time or if they haven't seen each other in a long time and statistically speaking behaviorals notice that people complain about things like the weather because it's a mutual point of contact it's something you're not going to get disagreement about and we'll talk about disagreement in a minute you know if it's one below which it is here right now where i am and I have a, a, a neighbor who's walking their dog out there and I'm walking my dog and I'm shivering and shuffling around and freezing. Uh, and we both say, hey, how about the weather? Or wow, can you believe this? Nobody's going to disagree. So it's a point of connection. It's just a little point of rapport. And they say that if you start a conversation, and meet somebody for the first time, within the first, I'm going to get the number of seconds wrong, if you stay quiet The person will offer a complaint just to try to find a point of connection or rapport. They won't even ask a question. They're not even as likely as to ask a question as they are to say something critical about the weather or the sports team or something like that. So how do we find a better way to make a connection, John, outside of this very common, very socially acceptable complaining about things like the weather or our sports teams? What's a better way?
1: Getting back to is we're resisting the weather, is what it is. <clears throat> so you're right about making that little connection, a few seconds about the weather, right? So this is where it gets what real the real resistance part is. Is if I'm walking around, I hate the weather. I cannot stand shoveling snow. I cannot. I hate whatever it is that, about that's related to the weather or the traffic. Put yeah. that in there. All right, the things that are we most so if we come across as we're stating an observation, boy, it is cold out there today. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's expressing ourselves stating an observation how I feel about it. Okay. But when we go in there ripping it apart and I hate it and using swear words, the you know, this, I don't want to even go into the swear words, but we all know what they are. <laughs> the blankety blank snow, the blankety blank yeah. wind. Yes. It's, it's freaking one degree out there, you
0: know. Yep.
1: You see what I'm saying, and and it's kind of like the context that how we show up every day. The so I'm gonna just put a reminder here that's related to all of this, right? Is how am I showing up? How am I being seen? And how do I want to be seen? So I'm in the habit of loving weather. I'm in the habit of loving winter because it, it's out there. You know why would I hate twenty five percent of the seasons? of my life, I'm going to be in this negative zone of hating what's around me, right? (laughs) That carries with us. So that's the connection. I guess uh, being conscious of stating an observation of something is not complaining or criticizing about something.
0: I like that. Okay. That makes perfect sense.
1: And understand that if we're going to resist the weather, then you're resisting life in itself.
0: Because Weather- that's such a big part of life. It's, it's part of life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: yeah, so we, we live on this little tiny speck of earth, right? And, and it's weathering all around and mm-hmm. we're on it. So why, why resist that? So that, that's, that's high, I guess, resistance. So then there's the resentment. And I'm not sure if I, uh, I suggested this or not, but to make a list of all your resentments. Did I do that? So this would be a good little exercise to get a blank piece of paper full page, by the way, because you're going to fill it. And list from the worst at the top to the bottom, all your resentments you have towards people. This is just about people. It can be anything, but today it's going to be about people. And put it at the top, the worst ones at the top of the list, all the way down to the least ones. So the worst ones, they could have abused you, stole from you, kicked you, crashed your car, whatever, right? Those people you have some hatred towards, because that's what resentment is, is hating. And the least ones could be, well, they're not calling me anymore, so I'm in resentment towards them because they don't call me anymore. Things like that, you know, uh, the little molehills can be turned into mountains because we resent someone. Yes. So what do, what do we, you think that list does for us?
0: Um, well, a couple things. First question, though, as we're making the list, we're listing the names, yes, yeah. And then next to the names, are we listing the perceived offenses or are we just making a list of names? Just names. Okay. So I think what that would do is it would first, uh, it would cause us to be mindful of what's really going on in us and maybe why we treat or see somebody the way we treat them or see them Great. and why that is reflective of us, not necessarily them, us first because of how we feel. But also I would think it would be a great purge exercise because all of that energy lives on the inside of us. It's vibrating in our tissue. It's hanging out somewhere. It's going to leak out. We talk about this on the podcast. So that's coming out sideways somewhere, whether you like it or not, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, just like the example you gave earlier about the guy in the meeting. We don't know what he walked into. We don't know what his morning looked like. He walked into a meeting already edgy and his bandwidth for crap that day or sarcasm or teasing or joking was already probably diminished. And so he walks in, he gets a little grief and boom, there it goes because it was built up anyway and it was just prime to manifest somewhere because it always will. So I would think that just creating that list would be a little bit cathartic, just kind of releasing, getting that out of our system and at least for starters down on paper.
1: Exactly. It's exactly what it does. It gets it out of here on paper we can look at it and analyze it. And in in a lot of cases some people that are on that list I have already dealt with. They're on there. Occasionally it comes up, you know, our brain remembers everything. So, never going to go away. It's just how how do we show up every day knowing that these people did bad things to me? We can walk around being pretty hateful. And why waste our energy on something that happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and we still mm-hmm. carry it today? That's that's the message that I, I like to get across in learning how to resolve resentment. Yes. And it, it to me, it's a destroyer of inner peace to be hateful a whole lifetime because someone 20 years ago or 30 years ago did something bad to me so okay it happened and and we learned from it but certainly we have to learn how to release that energy and i believe writing it down helps and we can do the follow-up on this on the next session and uh my wish is that everyone will create that list because the solution is uh i believe life-altering okay. And there will be resistance around it i know that of course but um Is there a follow-up
0: step then? So you're going to have us just create the list. And then next time, we're going to talk about what we're going to do with that list.
1: Yes. How to um, deal with that resentment. Get rid of that, the burden on our shoulders. Yeah. Because that's what resentment is. It's a burden. We're carrying these people on Mm -hmm. our back, ultimately. The list represents the weight we carry. Mm -hmm. And then the thought of it's been 20 or 30 years or five years that I've been in resentment towards this person. And that fills us with an internal hate, you know? Yes. And, and even people that are deceased can go on that list. If we're still steaming mad at somebody for, they did something bad to us that happened five or 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. What what good is it to hang on to that anger? If they're not even on the planet anymore, you know? Right. Yeah. And then uh, quickly the revenge part, you know, getting back, at someone, right? If they did something to you, I'm going to get them back. Well, I think it was the a Confucius quote: "When acting on revenge, dig two graves." Oh, yeah. When you act on revenge, when you act on revenge, dig two graves.
0: hmm
1: What good does it do?
0: Well, and there's there's also that analogy of you know the biblical analogy that people pay attention to uh, as well in terms of judgment. And the judging, lest ye also be judged. And um, the idea that there cannot be two judges in any case. So I've heard it said that if we are holding on as judge to execute punishment, retaliation, retribution, revenge, whatever it is, if we are holding on to that, then the Holy Spirit Mm. will not. In other words, uh, if you intend on doing everything yourself without any assistance— You'll be allowed to. And so ultimately justice is not ultimately served at our hands anyway, because we don't know what that looks like now. And we don't know what that looks like beyond now, you know, so, so how can there be two judges in any given case there isn't. So we release that, take them off of our hook and put them on, so to speak, that greater hook Mm -hmm. where, you know, we, we allow for perfection to, to run its own course. But John, it's the hardest thing ever. It's the hard. I personally have struggled with this because, and I have wrestled with God over this. Yeah, but <laughs> if people don't see that punishment here, they're going to think that's okay. Where's the lesson? You know, if that's allowed to happen, then then nobody here on this earth gets the benefit of comprehending why we shouldn't do things like this or that or this or that. See, I'm very one-dimensional when it comes to that because justice is one of my plumb lines. So I guess along with that comes my own personal struggle in not seeing what I think is great timing on the justice or to the degree by which I think (laughs) as my own personal judge would be fair. And I know that that can be a universal struggle unless we've mastered that arena of our lives. It's a struggle.
1: Great point. And uh, to kind of circle around here, uh, some of the things that we're, what the umbrella is of what we're talking about is about personal mastery is mastering the self. I before we can do that, we need to be aware of the self is my behavior attracting or is it pushing back? So you know, uh, I believe that we are all leaders at some in some way, especially if you're a parent. Probably the most important leader on the planet are parents, because whatever yes. they, however they show up, is how their children are going to show up for the most part. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that in. Uh, it's not just business or corporations or um, government positions, and I and I hate to say that sometimes about government positions having leadership in front of it. Because they're servants, right?
0: They're supposed to be.
1: But the mindset of leadership, uh, neighborhoods—you brought all that up, and that's important, I believe, for your audience to understand. It isn't just businesses; it's us, it's in our neighborhoods, and our families. So, yes. So, uh, making that connection between personal mastery, which is the big umbrella, mastering ourselves, and then under that, it could be leadership. Would uh, be a, a lot of things under that. And you know, you bring up the challenge, right? So I believe it takes a commitment, a conscious commitment to engage in some kind of personal mastery every day,
0: even Absolutely. if it's reading
1: 15 minutes of a book or a podcast or something that's related to personal mastery. And that keeps the the juices flowing, you know, the awareness. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So John, what if, let's say, let's go back to the the weather example for a minute. Let's say I'm out on a walk, and uh, there we are walking our dogs. It's minus one here. We both know it's cold. We both observe that. And uh, what if my neighbor says, um, it is so horribly cold. This is absolutely ridiculous. And I say, oh, I totally disagree. I think it's great. Why might that not be the best response to somebody saying something that I don't like or agree with?
1: So getting the term, I disagree. Yeah. So there's the first challenge right there. Instead of using the word, I disagree, we can make that a, a topic on its own, right? But um, when someone complains to me about the weather, I would say, I love winter. I embrace it because it's, it's part of life on Earth. It shuts them right up. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Or they
1: start backtracking and say, well, I don't really hate it. But subconsciously, yeah. they, they we're just conditioned to saying, well, just because it's one degrees. But at least it That's has right. some degrees, right?
0: Well, it's minus one.
1: Oh, minus one, right.
0: So No degrees. Taking away the degrees. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, you know, that's their experience. And and so I don't correct it anymore. I just say, well, I just happen to love, I love the rain. I love the sound and find the reasons. And and I say that because I'm a reformed complainer of the weather. It's too (laughs) hot, cold. And found the awareness of uh, the energy that I'm wasting, my life energy on complaining about something I have no control over. Whether it's just the obvious thing that we're resisting and complaining about.
0: But what if there are higher stakes? What if you're in a relationship or a business partnership or a personal relationship and and somebody comes and brings something to you and you very much do not agree and you very much want to express the opinion that is very different. And you maybe even want to go in a different direction from what they're suggesting. What's wrong with saying, yeah, I disagree. Here's what I think. And then moving into the, here's what I think portion.
1: So there's two things, right? I disagree and here's what I think. Two separate things,
0: right? So
1: we have to be aware. We should be aware of how we're showing up and how people see us. So if we're automatically disagreeing with somebody for sharing what they feel, how do you think they're gonna re- respond to you? Are they gonna well, be they,
0: maybe they'll match the resistance?
1: They're gonna match the resistance. I disagree. Shuts everybody off. It's like um, your feelings and your thoughts don't matter to me. That's what the message was sending. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, people just shut down from that. So another way, there are other ways of use the word disagreeing with somebody or expressing our own opinion without shutting the other person down. Okay. So real important. If you're in a boardroom trying to come up with ideas and you're the business owner and somebody says, hey, why don't we buy uh, 10,000 widgets tomorrow so that we have them? And as a business owner, I say, we can't afford 10,000 widgets. That's a stupid idea. Shot them right down. <laughs> what message What message are we sending to the rest of the boardroom?
0: Don't bring an idea.
1: Don't bring an idea because you're going to get shot down. And, yeah. and don't we hear that often, Stephanie, in the work that we do together?
0: hmm right. Absolutely. Too often. Up.
1: Too often. So there are um other ways of expressing ourselves without being stuck in the three C's or without using swear words. We need mm-hmm. to understand that that if what we want in life is gonna be as a result of other people supporting us, it's not gonna work as a lone ranger. Mm-hmm. And if we're pushing people away because we're telling them I disagree with you, and again, context is important because the little things that we might disagree—if we're disagreeing on the weather or other things, sporting events, or whatever it is—we're probably disagreeing with everything.
0: Okay. And it's just
1: a self-awareness, you know.
0: Hmm. I wonder if part of the reason why we have been so trained to say yeah. "I disagree" yeah. is because it stops things. It is a—it's a bit of a pattern disruptor. You know, somebody's talking about their thoughts. Here's what I think. Oh, yeah, no, I disagree with that. That does something mentally and also emotionally. It breaks that neurological thought pattern of what it was they were going to say and the thought they were going to complete. Where does listening come into the equation when we want to understand what somebody is saying and yet we also want to provide feedback that might balance the end result? Right. Because to me, the I disagree uh, now, and I'm shutting you down because I, I got something I got to say, my turn to talk, me, me, me. And we need to be heard, John, desperately. So we, it, it's almost like we shut down so that we can interject so that we are certain that we are heard and that us being heard will equal validation to us and I guess power. Perfect.
1: So you bring up a, really, a lot of good points there. So where do I start? I guess the first thing is, how am I being seen? How am I showing up? Am I being a person of influence? So the question is, am I being influential by telling somebody I disagree with you? Shutting them down, right? And so another way of saying it and is missing in our society immensely here is to praise people. Wow, that's a really great idea, Stephanie.
0: But what if that's you a, think it's a ridiculous idea? Can you well, still be honest? Guys,
1: how do we know? That's ego. Oh, Ego saying. That's yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that's true. Saying. Yeah, we don't know. What if they're right, though? That's the thing. All <laughs> right. So that's true. Yeah. We just don't know how. How? What if they're right? What if their idea, of buying ten thousand widgets this month, right, and and it being shot down, well, it saves the company maybe ten thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So you should, so that that initial is thank somebody for what they're saying or acknowledge them because all we all want is to be heard and to be understood. Yes. And give them that uh, kindness that I hear you and watch your relationships flourish. They'll change. People won't even know, going to look at you like, there's something different about you, Stephanie. They don't (laughs) don't know what it is because our personality is changing because we're changing our way of thinking. So uh, we all want to be, feel important, right? Mm-hmm. Validate these folks for coming up with good ideas, with any ideas a good ideas as far as I'm concerned. And mm-hmm. I can tell you after se- selling thousands of kitchen cabinets, kitchens, watching mom and dad fight over what color cabinets to get, the best way to solve that is say, you know what? Let's write down all the possibilities here. You're both right. You're both right. We don't have to decide today. We, I just saved their marriage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Possibly,
1: <laughs> I've seen some pretty ugly things in, in the kitchen cabinet showroom. I can uh, I'll share with you sometime, not on the podcast, but
0: well, that brings so, me to to a quick point, though. John is yeah. is that we we laugh that could that you yeah. save their marriage? Haha. Ha. The reality is, if they approached every issue like that, right. it would be saving their marriage because if you can negotiate a win-win, he wins, yeah. she wins, right. they. Whoever' is yeah. in part of the equation wins. Uh, you've saved the relationship because everybody feels heard, validated, important, and are getting some of their needs met. I mean, they're feeling like they're walking away with, "Hey, that feels good, good. right? Yes. So if they approached everything like the kitchen cabinets, you're both right. Blue is great, Black is wonderful, white, beautiful, right now, the 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 process to narrowing it down to the actual color with maybe an accent, is probably a little more arduous, but... it Ultimately, as in anything,
1: wasn't just kitchens. By mm-hmm. having that um, wherewithal as a leader, as a mediator, whatever, right? Just the calm in the storm is what I was. In the end, the color didn't matter to either one of them. All it was is they both, each of them wanted to be right. They each wanted their own way. When ultimately, it just didn't matter. The color, like, oh, we decided on white and... And we decided on this color granite, this kind of granite countertop, and where they were fighting about it in my showroom, which is just really amazing. Wow. And, I, and they thanked me for it. Mo- almost all of my clients thanked me for the guidance to uh, get them through the challenge of getting their kitchen, their dream kitchen done, you know? Wow. But, you know, you bring up another point there, too, about being a listener. So, this is another challenge I'm gonna offer your listeners. So yeah we all want to be heard we all want to say something right and what uh this this exercise is to get us to understand how important is it that i be heard so sometimes it is really important but i'm going to give you an example i'm going to ask you all to do the exercise the 90 10 exercise in communication and start immediately the 90 10 90 of the time you're listening just listen to whomever you're you're communicating with. And 10% of the time is you're asking questions. It's an exercise in awareness over the next 90 days. I like that 90-day thing because it gives us some time to course correct because I believe the first few days of just listening only and asking questions only, it changes something inside of us. I believe we become more patient. We realize that we don't always have to be the talker. And I also believe that By listening to the other person, you make them the most important person in the room. From a business standpoint, that's really important. If you're trying to influence people to come in to buy your services or your widgets or um, even get the kids to do their chores, put that out there. Mm -hmm. Just listen and ask questions.
0: So what would be an appropriate question when we need our kids to do chores i like that example so right. how, um because uh, to me it's the it would be a little bit of a double bind because i i need and want them to do it right i might say something like uh when would you like to unload the dishwasher now or after lunch
1: right you could do it <laughs> that way
0: yeah. sure. but i'm you so could ask her- them
1: why they're not doing it
0: okay okay
1: why why, why are you doing it why why uh, didn't we All agree that we'd have all these chores without having to be reminded all the time you're just asking the question
0: so John at what point so if we're practicing listening 90 90% of the time which is going to be a challenge really listening not pretend listening, not level right. two listening where right. we're, yep, I'm right. shaking my head. I'm thinking about right. my to-do list. Today. I mean, literally like level right. one listening where we're hearing right. the words, we're absorbing, we're processing those words right. without formulating a response in our heads at the same time they're talking. So level one listening 90% of the time. But if we're the leader, when do we get to provide some instruction or guidance or direction? If we need them to be productive, how do we incorporate that?
1: So glad you asked that question. So remember, this is just an exercise. Okay. It's just and it's of self-awareness. Is try it on because there's gonna be a there's gonna be days when you have to say something, of course, right? Mm-hmm. However, know that this is an opportunity in this moment that I need to be the listener. So all we're doing is creating a new habit of being a better listener. It's no right or wrong, good or bad. It's not telling that we're gonna can't say anything. Mm-hmm just an exercise of being a better listener. And the asking questions um, is very influential because we can say something to somebody without accusing them of doing something wrong. When you're asking a question, how come you didn't do your chores? How come you didn't empty the dishwasher? All you're doing is asking, right? As opposed to you didn't do the the dishwasher and you're going to bed without dinner.
0: Mm Mm-hmm
1: two very different ways of communicating with somebody. Yep. So
0: one is creating a confrontation. That's that's a little more confrontational. Yes. Okay. So the definitive statement, you didn't, therefore, you've created a, a punitive situation where there's no feedback coming your direction. You're just stating and providing a consequence. And so this parlays into business too then, of course. So if we've got an employee and something needed to get done and we require that to get done, hasn't been done yet, how would you stay out of confrontation and move into influencing (laughs) their behavior without causing them to feel in any way deflated or demotivated?
1: didn't do what their job description was. Is there something I can do to support you What can I do to help you through this? You can do that with the kids too, but I mean, uh, we're there to support and not just be, It's got to be done or else. uh, Okay. Yeah. So um, as an example, I I think I brought this up last time too, but um, if somebody's always talking loud and yelling, a lot of people just are loud talkers, right? And they they come across as yelling. So I always ask, why are you yelling? I I can't stand it myself. If there's any resistance I still have is when people yell at me. But it goes away when I ask the question, why are you yelling? And they and they say, well, because uh, I'm not yelling, the first thing. I'm not yelling. Yes. 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 I say, well, but you are. You're just yelling. You just yelled at me. All I did is ask you a question. And they go, well, they can make an excuse. I'm angry today. I says, well, why Why are you yelling at me? And they'll say, well, you know, I grew up in a household full of, I'm the youngest of eight kids. And if I didn't talk loud, wow, they give this excuse.
0: Totally. totally.
1: And it says, well, you're 50 years old now, and that was 40 years ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm listening. Yeah. So what we're doing is this, this dialogue and and this uh, self awareness. And you know, Stephanie, at the other side of the coin, right? Sometimes it's not worth going there with anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just tools that we now have that most likely will work most times. And sometimes psh, it's nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah. In a recent episode, I talked about mindfulness versus mindful, like uh, having a mind that is full, 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 thinking, thinking, thinking versus mind full and how being present is so much more attractive to people. I mean, people know you by how you make them feel, how they feel around you, how they leave you, how do they feel leaving your presence? And um, it's interesting that when they feel heard, or like you've taken some type of interest in them, they feel good. They maybe can't even pinpoint why. They just feel good. They're they're not even consciously aware that it's because you listened 90% of the time. And then instead of inserting your own, yeah, me too. Instead of inserting your own life and interweaving it into their story, you're simply following up with a question and another question and another question. That is revolutionary. That's different communication than 99.9% of us are used to.
1: Exactly. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Stephanie, because, you know, we're talking about asking questions if, if people are doing something wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But to show that they're really important, to ask questions about what they're talking about, now you're really showing genuine interest, you know, if they're making mm-hmm. a statement of a life-altering uh, experience. Oh, when when did that happen? What year was that? You know, you just yeah. ask a question to, to keep that, glit it all be all about them and that you're r- truly interested.
0: Very, yeah. Very,
1: very.
0: What a beautiful experience. It okay. Is. In the last four and a half, five minutes we have together, yeah. I want us to review our assignment and I don't want to call it that. Let's call it a, what can we call it? That sounds enticing.
1: A challenge.
0: A challenge. It's just a challenge. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. We love a good challenge, especially in the beginning of a new year. Yeah. Um, so we'll review that, John. And then. I, if you would be so kind as to leave us with the reminders so that we are top of mind of some of the qualities and traits of an influencer.
1: Yes. So yeah, so uh, what is a leader, right? I believe that uh, leaders they have this uh, it, it comes automatic in how they show up, all right? They're the calm in the storm. They're peaceful, they have inner peace. They are mindful, mindful. Despite what's going on around them, um, the mindful means to me means conscious. Conscious of where I am in this moment, in the words that come out of my mouth, conscious is being mindful. I care about what you're saying, Stephanie. Whoever's in my Mm -hmm. presence, right? So they they inspire. They're inspiring people. who Have leadership qualities. They don't have to have the position, just the mindset. They're inspired. They teach. Uh, I believe that when we let go of all these um, behaviors that aren't serving us, right? We're teaching people that yeah, John can change. If I can change, you can change, right? I'm no, I'm no longer to the three C's and the three R's, right? Leaders, they motivate. So your children, the people that work for you, the people at the grocery store, you motivate people by praising them. We don't praise enough in this world.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice
1: job or, you know, even, even this introvert, when I go to a grocery store, I make sure I show up this way. When in, uh, you know, Oh, wow. That's a really good deal on that organic chicken right there, isn't it? And the response is incredible. And they look at you like you're talking to me. Yeah. You make people feel important. Hmm. Um, People with leadership skills, I mentioned this earlier, is praise probably the most important things. Praise people. My favorite one is all those folks that wear the hat. Vietnam veteran or what ship they served on. I always thank them. And yes. and I don't think they get it much because they they're always shocked that I'm talking to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can tell by the expression on their face that they really appreciate that.
0: Yes. They may not
1: say it, but so there's there's a few right there of leadership skills.
0: Those are beautiful. I love those being conscious, yeah. inspiring, teaching, motivating, making people yeah. feel important, praising people. You know, I was on an airplane uh, flight once, and a man dressed in his military uniform was on the plane as well. And I always taught my children, when you see that, let's thank them. You know, there's that symbol when you're walking by people, putting your hand over your heart. But I I always liked to just go up and say, thank you for your service. So I did that. We were standing in line, ready to board the plane, and I just mentioned that to the gentleman. I said, hey, by the way, thank you for your service. He's like, "Oh, oh, sure, yeah, no, you're welcome. Well, then, of course, hour and a half later, I have to go to the bathroom on the airplane. And who's in front of me in line? There he is. Right. And would you guess what happened? Of course, he said to me, you go first.
1: You well, go I first. Would, I imagine that they're comfortable having conversation with you. And they start a conversation with you.
0: Yeah. Well, and because I extended myself in gratitude to him, which was my first interface with him, my first gesture... He insisted that I go before him in the line to the bathroom. He gave up his position for me and said, oh, hey, after you, by all means. I said, oh, my goodness. No, no, that's okay." He said, no, absolutely. Go ahead. I insist. I mean, the power of that need for us to reciprocate, because we all have that embedded in us, John. We all have that need to reciprocate. They, They do this from a marketing standpoint, too. They give you something for free in the mail and say just a reminder our nonprofit organization is here and here's a load of stamps with your personalized name and address on it don't you feel a little more compelled to give them a little something so that's that law of reciprocation and that was not my motive my motive was to make this man feel good about his sacrifice because i'm grateful for it and yet in return he allowed me his place in line. I just find that to be so beautiful. And we forget these simple, easy things, but they are so unbelievably powerful. The simplest things tend to be the most powerful things, really, don't they?
1: Yeah, it's another whole topic, you know, and kindness just being kind to people. I mean, mm-hmm. So an exercise that we were given when I was in, in seminar, when I'm traveling in my vehicle, Always let the other person go first. <laughs> so simple, so easy. And watch the smile on their face and the hand waving because you let them out of the grocery store parking lot.
0: Yes. Simple and gesture.
1: Little things. In his, uh, and you're not even saying anything. You're just a uh, hand gesture, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, something to be aware of. Um, there can be a lot of resistance around the 90 and the three C's and all that, um, and being kind and uh, complimenting people and praising them is the question I get. Is but I, but I feel um, disingenuous when I do it because it's so foreign to them. Okay. And on the other side, it can be seen as disingenuous if you've never praised anybody and all of a sudden you show up praising. But we got to stop somewhere.
0: Yeah. Start somewhere and start honest. I mean, find something honestly that you can authentically communicate with, with, with honesty, because honesty translates, authenticity translates. So find something even as simple as I love that color sweater on you. It makes your eyes look, wow, amazing. I mean, something, something that you can truly buy into and communicate with authenticity, I think is a great, great idea.
1: Segway, the next session, Um, what we didn't get into a lot of was about judgment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you know, a lot of this is uh, creates judgment or subconscious bias, and mentioned earlier, and that would be a good topic because uh, all, all of this festers judgment.
0: That's right.
1: And to have a conversation around that and
0: brilliant. Yeah. So our assignment for the next 90 days is the 90-10 exercise, the 90-10 exercise, listening, working on being mindful to listen 90% of the time. And then the other 10% of the time, we're, we're asking questions. We're, we're following up and asking questions, gaining that rapport, practicing being a listener, allowing people, I believe, John, this cultivates trust, building trust in a relationship by the act of listening, showing your interest, showing your intention, Um, building rapport. So I love that. So next 90 days, my dear friend, we are practicing the 90-10 exercise. And then next time when John joins us again, we are going to talk about judgment. Just that word. There's a charge on that word. Judgment. It starts with a hard consonant, judgment. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that, a resistance. We're going to get a little deeper into resistance. And then there's a brilliant book that John recommends I've mentioned it before on the podcast, it is called The Way of Akito. We're gonna talk about the magic and the brilliance behind The Way of Aikido, and also what every good listener needs to know. How do you resolve a conflict? Even though we're trying not to create conflict, right? John, we're avoiding the creation of a conflict. We're, trying, we're, we're practicing influence, not creating confrontation or conflict, but it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen in the family, it's gonna happen in the business, it's gonna happen in the job, the home, the organization. It's gonna happen, how will we as leaders or influencers deal with and resolve conflict? So that is coming up next time. How's that for a tease? John, thank you as always so much for your time today. It's been life-changing for me. I learn every time we talk. I know that my friends agree and I just cannot wait to dive in, practice what we're learning now and then dive in even deeper next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to The Stephanie Stevens Show. Please remember to subscribe so we can stay connected and you never miss an episode of the podcast. Oh, and if you haven't left a rating yet, please be sure to do so. It helps incredible people like you find the podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.